Tech Writer Worldwide. It's the High Tech Podcast in plain English with an hour's worth of news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the commercials, the station breaks, the sports, and most of the jingles. Podcast number 653 for the 28th of July, 2019. This week, too many people are trying to steal your data, whether it's on your computer or stored online. We all have a duty to be cautious, so let's consider how. In short circuits, if you have an old computer or other electronic device that still works, you can sell it, but what if it's broken? You might still be able to sell it and keep it out of a landfill. Some electric utilities make it possible for you to keep an eye on real-time usage. An update to Adobe Audition has added several new features. One of them is small, but uncommonly useful. In spare parts, only on the website, lampless projectors still have light sources. So are they really lampless? Maybe it depends on your definition. And Amazon can now deliver packages to your car if you live in one of 50 specific cities, have a current Acura RDX, and park it in the right place. Threats abound when it comes to data on your computer and money in your bank account. Homegrown and foreign threats endanger elections, too. Protection is essential. Software can go only so far. Comedian Jack Benny occasionally repeated a skit in which he was approached by a rough-looking character. Your money or your life, the guy bellowed. After a moment, the crook repeated the threat. Come on, buddy, your money or your life. And Benny always replied after a slight pause. I'm thinking, I'm thinking. Okay, so it's not really a humorous situation if something takes over your computer. Hackers supported by governments in Russia, China, Israel, England and most other countries are constantly poking and prodding. So are criminals. Hospitals and municipal governments are favorite targets for the crooks who encrypt data on computers' hard drives and then offer to sell the hospitals and governments access to their own data. Some organizations have paid, but there is no guarantee they'll get their data back. Other organizations have been able to recover on their own. In either case, lives are literally at risk when medical systems are compromised, and when police or fire departments lose access to emergency communications systems. Malware that encrypts data is easy to obtain. Even small-time crooks can find ransomware offered as a service on the dark web. If one of these people manages to place malware on your computer, it doesn't matter much if he's a bored teenager, a high school dropout, or an unemployed person who's desperate to come up with next month's rent. According to McAfee Labs, technologically inept crooks can rent what they need. The developers take a cut of the profits, of course. Collecting $20,000 to unlock a hospital's computers or $100,000 to restore a city's systems are big payoffs. But the crooks also collect a few hundred dollars from people who find that they're locked out of access to their photographs or their financial records. Crooks know that companies can afford to pay higher ransoms than consumers. A survey by IBM found that about half of respondents had experienced a ransomware attack, and 70% of them paid to get their data back, even though the FBI strongly recommends against paying ransom. 
And the FBI does ask that anyone who is hit with a ransomware attack, whether or not they pay the ransom, to report the incident to the Internet Crime Complaint Center. There's a link to that on the TechBiter Worldwide website. If your computer is infected with ransomware and you don't have a full, complete, and verified backup, your only option might be to pay the ransom and hope that the crooks are honest. A better option is to simply keep ransomware off your computer. The first and last line of defense is what I usually refer to as wetware. That's the stuff between your ears. Software solutions have a place, but no protective application will catch every threat, and that's why it's important for us computer users to be vigilant and cautious. Many people become victims of ransomware when they open an email attachment that contains malware or when they click a link that takes them to a corrupt website that installs malware. These malicious email messages are usually easy to spot. Does that message that appears to be from UPS, FedEx, the U.S. Postal Service, or your bank actually come from Albania, Ukraine, Brazil, or Hungary? Every decent email application allows users to view at least the routing information, and that will quickly answer the question of where it came from. Examining the contents of the message is another critical step. A legitimate message from UPS or the post office or FedEx will have a tracking number, not an attachment. Messages from banks and other financial institutions or companies will clearly identify you as the recipient. For example, the message will not have been sent to undisclosed recipients. And you should see somewhere in the message your full name and enough other identification to let you know that it is a legitimate message. And even if the message appears legitimate, if it asks you to follow a link to confirm your account, ignore the link. Instead, just go to the organization's website manually and log in as you normally would. Clicking a link in a poisoned email might appear to take you to the organization's website, but it can also be a link to a man-in-the-middle site that collects your username and password and then passes you on to the real website. You'll never see the problem coming. So observation and caution alone eliminate most problems. But even the most cautious person can make a mistake, so it's wise to have an application that watches for threats, even though those applications are far from perfect. Antivirus and anti-malware applications aren't able to keep up with every possible threat, but they do provide some protection. For Windows users, the Windows Defender antivirus is now a good choice. It's included with Windows and updated regularly. And keep in mind that it's important not to use more than one antivirus application. Doing so will render your computer less secure. The sole exception to that warning is Malwarebytes. Regardless of which antivirus application you're using, Malwarebytes is a good addition because it includes website, malware, exploit, and ransomware protection. Regardless of how many protective measures you put in place, they won't catch everything. And that brings me right back to the beginning and the importance of using your wetware. Microsoft has several simple suggestions that can be combined into this single overarching rule. Often, fake emails and web pages have bad spelling or just look unusual. Look out for strange spellings of company names like PayPal with an E in the middle instead of just the regular PayPal, or unusual spaces, symbols, or punctuation. 
Don't click a link on a web page, in an email, or in a chat message unless you absolutely trust the page or the sender. And to that, I would add, examine the link very carefully. You can do that by hovering the mouse over the link. And if it looks at all suspect, don't click it. So Microsoft's most basic advice actually says it all. And I quote, if you're ever unsure, don't click it. In short circuits, it has been 40 years since people began to use computers at home. To be current used to mean replacing the computer every couple of years. Many corporations still stick to that timetable, but home computer users have found that they can get five years of use or more from their current computers. Still, the time does come when new hardware is needed, and that often leaves a still functional machine that simply needs a home. Organizations exist that will accept a working computer so that they can be reconditioned and given to users in developing countries and to schools or individuals in low-income areas of the United States. Some of those older computers are converted to run Linux, or they're given to younger family members. Others are sold on eBay, Facebook, or other online services. Some are donated to Volunteers of America or Goodwill Industries. But what if your computer doesn't work? We replaced my wife's computer nearly two years ago, and the old computer has been sitting on a shelf since that time. Donating it was not an option because the hard drive was faulty. I didn't want the computer carcass to end up in a landfill, but who wants a computer that doesn't work? Well, as it turns out, Cellbroke wants computers that don't work. Cellbroke will also buy computers and other electronics that are still working, but you'll get more money by selling working devices online. The dead computer we had was a Lenovo G500. Everything worked but the hard drive. Given enough time and patience, I could get the computer to boot, but it was far from functional. I found that Cellbroke would pay $44 for this computer, even knowing that the hard drive was bad. Well, that was a pretty easy decision. Zero dollars and send the dead computer to a landfill, or $44 and keep it out of a landfill. I filled out the order form online, and Cellbroke quickly sent me a UPS shipping label. They pay for the shipping, so that didn't come out of what they offered for the computer. There was simply no downside. If I sent the computer in and they failed to pay me, I was out nothing. The computer didn't work, and all I could do was recycle it anyway. So I managed to get the computer to boot one final time, removed all of the files from my wife's account, and then shut the computer down. It would have been better to wipe the disk, but that simply was not going to happen. Then I packed the computer up, attached the UPS label, and dropped it off at a UPS store. Less than a week later, the computer arrived at Cellbroke in Reno, Nevada. A few days later, I received a couple of email messages, one from PayPal and one from Cellbroke. I had $44 for a computer that I had considered to be entirely useless, and now I can say that if you have a computer or other electronic device that doesn't work, it'd be a good idea to take a look at the Cellbroke website. There's a link to it on the TechBiter Worldwide website. 
for devices that are still fully functional. You'll probably get more from eBay or one of the other online sales sites. Don't forget, though, that sites such as eBay charge a commission, and you'll be responsible for paying to ship the item to the new buyer. If you're looking for a quick, easy, no-fuss way to convert old hardware to new cash, Cellbroke might still be the best choice, even if what you have is still functional. You'll find a link to Cellbroke on the TechBiter Worldwide website this week. I have kind of a love-hate relationship with electric providers. I'm the son of a man who was an electrical contractor, so I understand some of the problems that electric utilities face. But I'm also someone who sees the unequal position electric utilities have because of their monopoly position. Companies such as American Electric Power are guaranteed to be profitable. I have complained frequently about power outages in my neighborhood, these are generally caused by squirrels who meet their demise when they become part of a short circuit. The only solution to that problem is burying power lines, and most consumers aren't willing to pay for the cost of doing that. So we deal with a certain number of power outages and consider ourselves to be fortunate to be dealing only with first world problems, such as occasional periods when the power is off for only a few hours. In the past couple of years, American Electric Power has installed smart meters at homes in my area. The advantage for AEP is that the meters could be read without sending someone to look at them, but there are some advantages for homeowners, too. AEP offers to send homeowners a device that lets them see what the smart meter sees, to pay their monthly bill to see a map of where power is out, and more. There is no charge for this device. Well, actually, it's buried in your rate base somewhere but there's no direct additional charge for it. I signed up for the service, and AEP sent me a little device that can communicate with a smart meter, and it also provides usage information that I can view on a smartphone. Because the device connects to my home Wi-Fi system, I can see how much power is being consumed even if I'm not anywhere near the house. Some users have complained about the display, but it seems logical to me. Each day is represented using a 24-hour circular graph that shows power consumption on an hour-by-hour -hour basis. For example, on the 30th of June, and you'll see a picture of this on the TechBiter Worldwide website, on the 30th of June, the power consumption was relatively low except when the air conditioning unit was on. At night, there are long periods between the usage spikes. But the spikes are much closer as the temperature rises during the day and as people are awake and working. There is an alternate view that combines the usage with the anticipated temperature during the day, so you can begin to predict what your usage will be. If your electric utility has installed smart meters and offers free access to the data from the meter, hey, I think it would be a real good idea to take advantage of that offer. Adobe's photographic video and publishing applications often capture the spotlight from some of the other more specialized applications, but Adobe keeps adding features and making improvements, so let's take a look at Audition this week. 
An update was issued about a week ago. The coolest new feature for me is on-clip audio scaling. Sometimes, in fact often, it is necessary to change the overall volume of an audio clip. It's easy enough to drag the volume envelope marker, but it's also quite easy to accidentally set a keyframe when you're doing that. Then you have to delete the keyframe and try again. Now there's a small icon in the lower left corner of each clip, and it makes changing the level really easy. Auto-ducking has been added. No, not that kind of duck. No ducks in the studio. Ducking refers to the process of dropping the level of music or background sounds when somebody is speaking. In the past, this has been a fully manual process. It's not difficult, but automating the process saves time. Audition can now generate a volume envelope to duck ambient sound behind dialogue, sound effects, or any other audio clip using the ducking parameter in the essential sound panel. A feature called punch and roll recording has been added so that users can insert corrected audio during a recording session. Given Audition's massive number of precision editing controls that can be used in a post-recording environment, that feature seems a little unnecessary. Still, post-recording edits take time. And when time is a critical factor, punch-in recording can save critical minutes. So are these big improvements that will make audio production professionals stop and say, wow? Well, aside from the on-clip audio scaling, no, they're probably not. They are incremental improvements that will delight some users and be completely ignored by others. These are the kinds of enhancements that longtime users of Adobe's various products have come to expect from the company. Well, you might not say wow about spare parts, but check the website and here's what you'll find this week. Lampless projectors still have light sources, so are they really lampless? Maybe it depends on your definition. And Amazon can now deliver packages to your car. If you live in one of 50 specific cities, have a current Acura RDX and park it in the right place. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. I'm Bill Blinn. Be sure to check out the website www.techbiter.com. And if you like, send me an email from there. See you next week.